Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato, and this is Practice Day at the 2023 Canadian Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, first practice is almost completely derailed in Montreal by an obscure electronics problem that leaves teams with one compressed 90-minute session to complete their run plans. The result was a jumbled-up order, on top of which stood teammates Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, although Mercedes is being cautious about just how representative those times were. And Aston Martin is vying to make a big step forward this weekend with a considerable upgrade package. If only they could get a decent amount of uninterrupted dry running to test it. And how did Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing go? Well, let's find out. From your host in the paddock in Montreal, it's Luke Smith. A very warm bonjour hi as they say here in Montreal. My name is Luke Smith, a senior Formula One writer for The Athletic and I'm back for your Friday roundup from the Canadian Grand Prix which by F1 standards was quite an unconventional day of running. Before we get into what happened in practice or as it was in FP1 what didn't happen in practice I had a chance to pop down to the pit lane and check out some of the car updates for this weekend. Now there's not a lot to note among the big three of Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari. There were literally no updates at all on the Ferrari this weekend and only minor tweaks to the Red Bull and the Mercedes cars. Not that surprising given we had the big update package for the Mercedes in Monaco and Ferrari has also had a couple of major updates in the Spanish Grand Prix with those side pods. But at Aston Martin there were quite a few changes to spot on their AMR23 car. The revised engine cover has a wider upper deck in order to aid the aerodynamic flow of the car to the rear, while changes have also been made to the floor to incorporate the new downwash side pod design that looks far more aggressive than the previous one. The cooling loops on the side of the car were also updated to fit with this new bodywork. There were also a lot of changes down at Williams. The updated FW45 car has a new floor body, side pod geometry, mirror design, halo fairings, rear suspension, rear brake duct winglets, and rear wing end plate, all targeted at bridging the gap to the other teams in F1's congested midfield fight. Alex Albon is the only Williams driver to be running the updates this weekend, and James Fowles said that the team had slipped back to being a pretty firm Q1 exit team in recent races. These updates were targeted at taking that step forward and turning things around. And so to FP1, which, well, it didn't ever really happen, did it? A few minutes into the session, Pierre Gasly pulled up at the side of the track, reporting a potential drive shaft issue on his Alpine F1 car. It then took a little while before the red flag was finally flown, and while the car was pulled out of the way, the stoppage just went on, and on, and on. And it turned out there was a problem with the local CCTV infrastructure around the circuit, which for safety reasons is very important for any running to happen. Although we have the TV cameras that people will use to watch at home, even in the media center, Race Control do use their own CCTV system at every single corner so they can have eagle eyes on any safety concerns that might emerge. 
Now, not only did the normal system fail, but the backup system did as well, meaning there was a long wait until finally with 10 minutes left in the session, it was confirmed FP1 would not resume. The issue was there was a huge delay between something actually happening on the track and when the CCTV cameras would then actually show that in race control, making it unsafe for them to go ahead until things were back up and running properly. A lot of effort had to go back into getting things into place for FP2. There was even another backup system that was introduced having an FIA official in with the TV group. But in the end, the local organizers did rectify things in time for second practice. The stewards also agreed to extend FP2 by 30 minutes in a bid to make up for some of the lost running, bringing the start of the session forward to 4.30 local time. It's been a while since we've had a 90 minute practice session, obviously it used to be the norm, we had a couple of tyre tests towards the end of last year, but it gave the teams an opportunity to try and squeeze some extra laps in that would really help for this weekend. The rain did threaten to spoil things a little bit, but it didn't come until the very end of the session. However, that did not stop there being two red flags to interrupt things anyway, as both Nico Hülkenberg and Esteban Ocon were hit by issues. Ocon's stoppage really capped off a pretty miserable day for Alpine, both of its cars suffering setbacks. Looking at the timesheets, it was Mercedes who came away from FP2 leading the way as Lewis Hamilton headed up a 1-2 finish, pipping George Russell's top spot by two hundredths of a second. There wasn't much separating the chasing pack. We had Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso, Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen all within half a second. It is worth noting though that Mercedes cars did venture out for their soft tyre runs a little bit later than everyone else in the session. And this is a circuit, remember, where track evolution is really, really high. The later you run, the quicker you're going to go, the more grip you're going to find. It meant that George Russell was reluctant to read too much into the headline times, believing Mercedes was still trailing Ferrari and Aston Martin over a single lap. Lewis Hamilton said the car didn't feel too bad to him, but Mercedes still had work to do. He also noticed just how bumpy the track was, as did George Russell, who called it, and I quote, bloomin' bumpy, a very George Russell way to put things. Russell also noted a rogue Australian fan sticking his finger up at him in a rather offensive fashion from the Red Bull area of the pit lane. Of course, that being Daniel Ricciardo here on his third driver duties this weekend. The late rain also gave us some more quotable moments courtesy of Valtteri Bottas, who, when that late downpour arrived, joked that it was weather good for a duck out there. He had a very, very close call, even going onto the grass at one point at the hairpin and really throwing up a lot of water from the puddles that were emerging. But everyone did just about keep it out of the barriers, meaning there were no more red flags to end a very funny day for F1. Away from all the on-track running, we did have quite an interesting press conference when it came to looking at the long-term pecking order of the congested midfield. We had Alpine's Otmar Safnauer, McLaren's Andreas Stella and Williams' James Vowles all together in the press conference talking about it. McLaren's Andreas Stella talked about the team's planned update package. Obviously, he talked a few races ago about it being a B-spec style car, as the team really does look to lift its performance and improve where it's gone so badly wrong in the early part of this season. Lando Norris joked yesterday, I think only half-jokingly, that the car wasn't good in any corners, any track. Stella said today the upgrades will impact pretty much the entire MCL 60 car, and that the package is so big, it actually has to be split across three races, the next three coming in Austria, Great Britain and Hungary. He reckoned the updates would be worth a few tenths of lap time as McLaren looks to take a big step forward, maybe get into the Alpine kind of territory. It'll be surely good news for the McLaren fans after such a tricky start to the year. There was also a healthy discussion about the budget cap and its impacts on infrastructure as teams like Williams tried to catch up with the bigger spending operations. 
James Fowles talks very eloquently, as always, about the push to adjust the limits on the capex spending that is restricted in some ways under the budget cap each year. He said an increase would help level the playing field and let those playing catch-up get back into contention quicker. Both Stella from McLaren and Alpine Safnauer have said they were also in favour of the change, and it does seem to have pretty broad support from across the F1 paddock. Very rare thing. Anyway, that is your lot for Friday in Montreal. A very strange day. A lot of talking about groundhogs, poutine, all those great Canadian institutions, of course. Uh, we even had some Tim Hortons Timbits in the media centre. Other Canadian coffee chains are, of course, out there. Anyway, I am going to go and hunt down probably some poutine for dinner and make sure I stay dry. But be sure to join us tomorrow for the full qualifying rundown from the Canadian Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Thanks very much to Luke, our F1 and Poutine correspondent, all weekend in Montreal. Make sure you don't miss an update from the Canadian Grand Prix paddock by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts, and you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. You can also keep up to date with the goings-on between episodes by following Luke Smith on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Amanato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 